Hello, and welcome to our weekly message. In today's message, Pastor Myron continues in our sermon series called Greater Than. This week's message is titled Christ Changes Everything, from Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 11. Now, here's a, a little window into my life. Let's call it Myron trivia. It's kind of worthless, whatever. Uh, in general, I'm not really a rules-following guy. I'm, that's kind of not my direction in life, but there are some areas in which I'm really OCD and like serious consistency. And one of them is this. Uh, my sort of routine on Sunday morning and leading right up to a message is I suck on fisherman friends' cough drops nonstop. Like that's my thing. But it's got to be the original. Those are the only ones that work, right? So imagine my distress when I go into the store, and because of supply chain issues, they don't have original. And all they've got instead is orange spice. That was really problematic for me. I bought the package of cop drops thinking to myself, it sounds hideous. This is not going to be good. Now, they're not as bad as they sound. But... You know, there are some areas in my life where I really like consistency, and that's a super trivial one, but it is one for me. So I'm under duress this morning. If we were to be able to transport ourselves back into first century Roman society, and specifically the city of Colossae, we would have looked at a city from the outside looking in, that was marked by a weird inconsistency. And this is the inconsistency that would have been so striking to us. A worshiper in that city, an idolatrous worshiper, and this happened all the time and nobody cared, could go into an idolatrous temple, take a pinch of incense, place it on the altar before the idol, and then step out of the temple and this religious experience and have it make absolutely no difference on their lives. It didn't impact how they acted or lived their lives at all. There was this incredible inconsistency as we would perceive it between religious experience on the one hand and then the person just going right outside and going back to their same old, same old life of sin. But into that world came the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ introducing a radically different perspective on life. And the radically different perspective was this. What we believe has to inform how we behave. That kind of consistency, that kind of spiritual integrity was not a part of that first century mindset. But the gospel of Jesus that Paul brought through this letter to the church at Colossae challenged them that as followers of the Lord Jesus, they needed to behave, live their lives in a manner that reflected what they believed and who they were in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's really the theme of the passage we're looking at together this morning. It's Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 to 11. On your device or in your Bible, find that passage of Scripture. We're in this 11-verse portion of the Word of God. The Spirit again challenges us through the writings of Paul. That as followers of Jesus by faith, what we believe must be reflected in how we behave. Now, we're works in progress. Every one of us. Following Jesus, our faith journey, it's a process. 
And the Spirit of God will continue His merciful and persistent work in our lives right through to the finish line. But along the way, increasingly, our lives should reflect that which we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, the word Christian means Christ follower. To follow Christ, to commit our lives to the Lord Jesus, means that we're committing to walk like Jesus. And the word of God in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 6 says this, Whoever claims to live in him, that is Jesus, must live or walk as Jesus did. So let's jump into this passage of scripture then, where the word of God challenges us to, in the strength of the Lord Jesus Christ, increasingly behave in a manner that reflects what we believe. And in the opening four verses, to that end, that we might behave in a manner that's consistent with what we believe and reflective of the truth in Jesus. Friends, we need to seek Jesus and his values. Seek Jesus and his values. Look at verses 1 to 4. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Focus on two phrases in those verses. And they go all the way back to verses 1 and 2. Set your hearts on things above. Verse 2, set your minds on things above. Paul challenged the Colossian followers of Jesus and us today through the scriptures. To with our hearts passions And our intellect seek earnestly and passionately and intentionally the Lord Jesus Christ and the values of the kingdom of heaven, his values, and seek earnestly as followers of Jesus more and more Jesus such that we walk in our lives more and more like Jesus lived in his earthly life and that independence upon the spirit of God. Why would we do this? Because of who Jesus is. Think of our Lord Jesus Christ, the incarnate Son of God. He stepped out of glory to be born a tiny baby at the first ever Christmas. Then he lived perfectly. Then he died and rose from the dead for our sins. And after that, ascended to heaven. Where, as Paul notes, Jesus is seated where in glory? He's seated at the right hand of God the Father. That's a powerful word picture that says our Lord Jesus Christ is sovereign over everything that is. That's what's conveyed by that statement seated at the right hand of God. He is sovereign over everything that is. Why would we seek independence upon the Spirit of God to grow in terms of behaving in a manner that's reflected in what we believe? It's because our King is sovereign over everything that is and He calls us to this. And He's worthy of all of our trust. And leaning into him and growing such that we live more like Jesus is. Reflecting his character. He's sovereign over everything that is. That's reflected in that phrase. And Jesus is also sufficient for us. In him we daily find strength to walk as Jesus did in his earthly life. Where he set for us an example of how we're to walk. In dependence upon the spirit of God. But that's not all. We want to increasingly, in terms of our behavior, reflect what we believe because of who Jesus is, but also because of who we are in Christ. And Paul says four things in these verses about our identity in Christ. He says, first of all, remember, verse 3, that you died with Christ. The moment that we chose in faith to trust in Jesus is the only one who could forgive us of our sins and lead our lives. 
believing that he is the Son of God who died and rose from the dead for us. The moment that we did so, the old us died. That old us that was naturally disposed to doing it our way and ignoring God's way and living in rebellion, that person died. That individual no longer defines us. It means we're free to live differently than we once did because we're not the people we once were. That person no longer defines us. But not only have we died in Christ, Paul says you also were raised with Christ. The moment that we said yes in faith to Jesus as Savior and Lord, we by the Spirit of God through God's grace were given brand new life in the Lord Jesus Christ. We were raised to new life with the Spirit of Christ indwelling us, empowering us, encouraging us, helping us to increasingly live to the glory of the Lord Jesus so that our behavior reflects more and more what it is that we say that we believe. But that's not all. Paul says your life is hidden with God in Christ. We're hidden with Christ. It's the third aspect of our identity in Christ by God's grace. What does that mean? It means that we have a security and a stability in the Lord Jesus Christ as his followers that is so powerful and so profound by God's grace to us that not even the devil himself could ever separate us from the love of God that is ours in Christ Jesus. Our Lord Jesus will hold on to us with that kind of tenacity. But there's another aspect of our identity in Christ. And Paul says it's this. He says... We have been glorified with Christ. Last part of verse th- uh, 4 says, Then you also will appear with him in glory. And he's looking to the second tr- coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Apostle Paul is. And in the soon and certain return of the Lord Jesus in that day, God's sanctifying work by his spirit on our lives will be complete. We'll cross the finish line. We'll be with Jesus forever. And we will be glorified in the very presence of Christ. So Paul's argument, as he writes these verses then to the Colossian believers, is this. Again, how could they possibly not have a belief in Christ that would profoundly inform their behavior, given who Jesus is and given who we are by God's grace in the Lord Jesus? Now, about 20 years ago, a group of researchers from Harvard University did a very famous experiment, very famous to the present in the world of psychology. It was come, it's come to be known as the invisible gorilla experiment. So here's what they did. They shot a video of six people passing a basketball. The video was one minute long. In the middle of the video, a woman wearing a gorilla suit walked into the frame, stood there for a while, and then walked out of the frame. So the video is a minute long, The gorilla is in the video for nine seconds. Then they would show the video to viewers and ask them to count the number of times people wearing a white t-shirt passed the basketball. Researchers weren't interested at all in who actually passed the basketball. They were curious how many people would know the gorilla in the room. Half the people did not see the gorilla in the room. They carefully counted the number of passes that a person in a white t-shirt would make, but they missed the conspicuous presence of a gorilla walking into the frame of the video. That phenomenon is known as inattentional blindness. 
Tencent way of saying that in life, if we're not super intentional about it, if we're not very purposely dialed in, we can easily miss the most obvious things. Now, intuitively, we know that to be true. Never mind the invisible grill experiment. But it demonstrated how it works in real life. In our lives, then, let's make sure, friends, that we don't miss Jesus. And living out the transformational values of his kingdom, independence upon the Spirit of God. Let's make sure that we don't miss out in the power of the Holy Spirit, increasingly walking like Jesus, which brings God glory, us more and more freedom in the Lord Jesus Christ, and inevitably sees the Spirit of God working through us to bring blessing into the lives that, of those that we connect with. So we want to avoid some sort of spiritual, inattentional blindness by kind of missing the forest for the trees. That means, as Paul says, keep your hearts and your minds Focused on Jesus. Focused on things above. His kingdom values. The things that matter to his heart. And as we do that, inevitably, we find that increasingly for God's glory and by his strength and help, how we live more and more reflects who we are in Jesus. All right, let's look at verses 5 to 9 now. Where Paul says this, again, that you might grow... In terms of your behavior increasingly reflecting your belief in the Lord Jesus Christ. Slay all sinful vices. Paul looked into the lives of the Colossian believers. And noted some things that were a part of their lives. That had been a part of their lives before they came to faith in Jesus. These things were acts of sin and disobedience. And they needed to decisively remove them from their lives. Why? Because they were called to live more and more as a reflection of who they were in the Lord Jesus Christ. Not the old person that no longer defined them. Look at verse 5. Paul says, put to death therefore, because of who you are in Christ, because of who the Lord Jesus is, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Focus on those words, put to death. Has anybody seen the movie 127 Hours? It's kind of an older movie. It's a compelling movie. It's an incredible story. Back not so long ago, this guy Aaron Ralston was hiking by himself and rock climbing in a remote area in southern Utah in a slot canyon when a boulder moved onto his arm and trapped him. He's trapped for five days. He couldn't pull it out. He tried everything. And finally, he arrived at the impossible decision to do what? He pulled out his own pocket knife and cut his own arm off. It's a graphic story. It's an incredible story. He's a motivational speaker to the present. Talking about how, with his life hanging in the balance, he made the impossible decision and lived to tell his story as a result. In a graphic sense that sort of reflected in the act that Aaron undertook. Well, that's what's conveyed in this phrase, put to death. Cut out of your life and do it decisively. And do it now. As followers of Jesus, those things 
that were a part of your old life and not reflective of your newfound freedom and forgiveness in the Lord Jesus Christ. Cut those things out. And now Paul goes on to detail specific things that the Colossian followers of Jesus were struggling with, even though they were new people in Christ and Jesus had given them a brand new start. Come back to verse 5. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. That word sexual immorality translates the term in the original that's porneia. Gives us our English word pornography. It's the New Testament word for any sexual act or expression that is outside of the one relationship in which the joy and blessing of God attends sexual expression. And that's in a marriage covenant between one man and one woman. Outside of that, says God's word, sexual acts are actually marked by sexual immorality. And as a result, they inevitably bring dishonor to God and promote brokenness in the life of the person who doesn't do it God's way. The gift of sex is an amazing gift from God, but God in his wisdom knows that the deep one-soul connection that inevitably accompanies sex because it's far more than a physical act, it's deeply spiritual, the only safe place for that act to be expressed with joy is in a marriage covenant between one man and one woman. Now, by implication, the Colossian believers were wrestling with sexual morality in their lives, and Paul would have said to them, wait a minute, that's not who you are anymore. You need in this area of your lives to behave in a manner that reflects the one in whom you believe. So you need to cut that out of your lives. And then he goes on to describe these other things. He speaks of evil desires, impurity, greed. Those are heart attitudes and thoughts which in and of themselves are sinful. And if they're not dealt with, can actually lead to acts of sexual immorality, which again, do nothing but promote brokenness. And then Paul talks about, in the last part of verse 6, or verse 5, greed, which is idolatry. We live in a culture that has absolutely made an idol of sexual expression and experience. In any way, shape, or form that anybody wants to engage in. That's an idolatrous value in our culture. And the argument of culture is even this. How could people not be free to pursue any expression of their sexuality that they want to because our identity is reflected in our sexuality? And God's word would simply say that's not the truth. That's totally not the truth at all. Our identity is found in whom? The Lord Jesus that's our identity, amen? So given who we are in Christ, in this fundamental aspect of our lives, Paul says to the believers then and to us today, we got to behave in a way that reflects what it is that we believe and the one to whom we belong, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. He goes on to note some other things now. In verse 8 he says, But now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, Anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you've taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self. In that second list of things, 
that the Colossian believers were to cut out of their lives, to deal with decisively and radically. We might look at that list, and in the fallenness of our hearts, as one commentator described it, I mean, anger, rage, those kinds of things, those are the sins in good standing. They're not really that big a deal, right? But Paul would profoundly argue against that, saying that all sin takes root in our hearts if we don't deal with it decisively and promotes that which brings dishonor to God and further brokenness and slavery in our lives. So deal with it and deal with it decisively. decisively. Friends, in our lives this day or sometime this week, it would be significant for us to take an introspective moment as followers of Jesus by faith and go before the Spirit of God and just say, examine my life, examine my heart. And if there is anything in my life that does not reflect the one in whom I believe, Spirit of God, reveal it to me. And should the Spirit reveal anything, we embrace the grace gift of repentance. And that means we confess this to the Lord Jesus, asking for His forgiveness, even as we also ask for the Spirit of God to give us renewed strength to begin to live once again in that particular area of our lives in the righteousness of Jesus' ways so that what we believe is genuinely reflected in how we behave. Friends, take that moment this day or sometime this week. Well, finally, the passage of Scripture wraps up with this in verses 10 and 11. Remember, the theme is what we believe has to be reflected, should impact, inform how we behave. And now Paul says, and in that regard, so that our lives might be marked by a godly integrity, a Holy Spirit consistency, stand in Jesus' victory. Stand in Jesus' victory. In verses 10 and 11, Paul writes about that. And the cool thing about these verses, this stand in victory is something that our God does for us. Look at verse 10. Put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge, in the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, uncircumcised or circumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. The Spirit of God, through the writings of Paul, reminds us there that every day, as followers of Jesus by faith, who are saying, yes, Lord Jesus, today grant me grace to walk like you. Help me this day that my life, my behavior, would reflect what I believe in and the, and the one in whom I believe. Every day for the follower of Jesus, with such a heart, our lives are being renewed and empowered and strengthened by the Spirit of God in us and acting upon us. That's what Paul is saying when he says we are daily being renewed. Now, there's a common English idiom. It comes to us from the equestrian world. And in the equestrian world, a person would cup their hands like this so that the other person could use that as a foothold and step up and swing their other leg over the saddle and get on the back of the horse. And the idiom is, you got a leg up. We use it all the time. Makes sense, right? In our lives today, we have a leg up for living in consistency by the grace of God. For the glory of God and His good work to us and through us. We got a leg up and that leg up is this. The Spirit of God right now is at work in our lives to renew us 
in the strength and character of the Lord Jesus. And for this, we say thank you, Lord Jesus, for your patient, persistent, grace-filled work in our lives that increasingly as a people of God, we would be known for in our lives behaving in such a way that is consistent with what we believe and in whom we believe, our Lord Jesus who has set us free. Let's pray. Father God, my humble prayer for each of my friends this morning, those who have joined us online, those here in person, my humble prayer for each of us as it is for myself would simply be this. Grant us a new infilling of your Holy Spirit today and a deep passion in our hearts, a want to, the desire to step outside of this room and into our world and God willing in the days that are ahead of us, live our lives such that you're glorified through the way that we live, such that we live in more of your freedom, Lord Jesus, such that the very lives that we live commend the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ to everybody that we will bump into. Help us, help us, Jesus, we pray, to behave in such a way that reflects what in you we believe. We ask these things in your mighty name. Amen. Thank you for joining us for a weekly message. What we believe should impact how we live. Today we are reminded that we must seek Jesus and his values, slay sinful vices, and then we will be able to stand in Jesus' victory. As followers of Jesus, there are certainly times when it seems easier to mingle with the crowd. But we're called to be distinctive, to retain our identity as Christ followers wherever we are and whatever the circumstances. Let's determine today that what we believe for God's glory will impact how we behave. If you're experiencing challenges or hardships and would like prayer for anything going on in your life, or if you'd like to learn more about how you can begin a relationship with Jesus, please email help at hhachurch.com. That's help, H-E-L-P, at H for Harvest, H for Hills, A for Alliance, church, C-H-U-R-C-H dot com. We'd love to talk with you and pray with you and help you experience all that is available to us in Christ Jesus. Now these words from Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. May God bless you as you go into the remainder of your day to be the hands, feet, and voice of Jesus.